Welcome to the City Reach Baptist podcast. If you would like more information about the life of our church, please go to our website at cityreach.com.au or like us on Facebook. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning. Uh, my name's Ollie. I'm the youth pastor here at City Reach. And in, in one week's time, we have our annual City Reach youth camp. And I want to invite you today to partner with us. Uh, firstly, we need your prayers. Uh, please pray for us. Pray. Um, so from the Monday the 15th to the 18th, uh, we're going to be hearing from uh, Romans 8, Unpacked. And there's so many beautiful gospel truths in that. So please pray that youth would encounter Jesus, they would grow in their faith, uh, that they, those who don't know him would be saved. Uh, please pray for our leaders and uh, we just pray that it would be a really fun time and that we would be loving each other. Uh, and yeah, we, we need the Lord. We really need the Lord. Uh, but another way you can partner with us is um, with our bellies. Uh, the youth, we're going to be, um, we have the wonderful Khans cooking for us, but we are asking if anyone would be willing to bake a cake or some cookies um, to help us with morning teas. Uh, so if you're able to do that and want to serve us in that way, um, if you could bring in something maybe Friday uh, this Friday to the office or um, next Sunday, we'd really appreciate that. Uh, that would help us a lot. Well, it is a, a privilege today uh, to bring to you God's Word. Um, we continue our look at John's account of Jesus. John says that he writes these things that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, we might have life in his name. So today it's my hope that we will be captivated by Jesus, who he truly is, and that in that we will discover the life, the life that he has on offer for us. You know, everywhere we look, people are looking to experience life, not just an existence, but to truly live. Uh, this past week, I, I read an article in the ABC uh, about the growing and, and thriving population of pagans in Tasmania, professing pagans, all sorts of, um, all sorts of people dipping into the occult and witchcraft and, and uh, ancient Eastern religions. And the article described one, one woman who brought up her child to know paganism, but then when he was old enough, she said he could choose what he wanted to believe in. And, and so this boy, he chose Pokemon. Now, the woman at first thought, well, that's stupid. But then she thought to herself, well, it's important to him. It's okay. People are desperate to experience more than just an existence, to experience life that will, will fixate on the strangest of things. And, and, and you know, we, we giggle at it. Uh, but today, if I'm honest... Uh, I look at my own life, and I'm sure many of us here too, which show that I too fixate on things that I think will give me life, but of course cannot give it. I roll my eyes at these pagans at first, but uh, I look at my own idolatry, my own expectations of uh, comfort or acceptance or success. To give me life is just as deceived as the guy who put his hope in a Pokemon. We become dependent on things for life, trapped in false hopes 
when Jesus stands before us and he asks us not to sacrifice our wants, but to increase it. As Jesus will say to the man in today's passage, do you want to be healed? Do we want the life, the true life that Jesus offers? And do we have faith to look to him or are we going to settle for weak wants, false traps that won't give us the life we're looking for? And so that's my prayer today as we look at this account, that God will increase our wants that all we desire will be for Jesus, the Son of God. And so for that, let me pray and then we'll get into it. Dear Jesus, we worship you today and we thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak to us. Lord, would you give us great humility uh, as we come before it? Help us to see you for who you are. And Lord, help me to speak with humility uh, and in clarity Uh, that you might be glorified for you deserve it. Amen. Well, keep your Bibles open to John chapter 5. We're introduced to this scene of of five colonnades, each filled with the blind, the sick, and the lame. What I picture here is kind of like a a hospital waiting room. Uh, One time, my mate called me up. He had terrible gastro, and he was so dehydrated that he needed a lift to the Uh, to the emergency room, and so, uh, like any good friend, I picked him up, I took him to the Queen Liz, and uh, we checked into the front desk, and then then grabbed our seat in the waiting room. Now, the room was filled with all sorts of uh, people, with their, uh, each with their own urgent illness, from broken bones, to coughs and fits, to aches and pains. It's not, it's not a nice room to wait in. In fact, it's, it's pretty tense. Uh, each person around you is competition for a place in a bed beyond the magical doors of healing. And so each person waits on edge for the doors to open and their name to be called out. And each person growing more frustrated when someone else's name is called before you. So you become fixated on the door, just waiting, waiting for your turn. If only I could just get through the door. Jesus, he comes to Jerusalem. Jesus, he goes not to the powerful or the elite, but he comes to this place where they're weak and hurting, the pool called Bethesda. The pool is like a waiting room with all its sights and smells and, and sounds with the, with the blind and the lame waiting. And, and much like the tension of the hospital Each would wait their turn, wait for the doors to open. It was believed that an angel would come from time to time and and would stir up the water. And the first person in, the first person down the steps into the pool where the bubbles were, that person would get healed. Everyone else, better luck next time. Now, this could have been subterranean air pockets that kind of surface from time to time. It could have been an angel or something otherworldly. But nevertheless, it only happened rarely, and it was fierce competition to be the one who gets in. So Jesus comes to this place. He notices one man in particular, invalid for 38 years. Imagine that, 
38 years of paralysis, 38 years of waiting in the waiting room, unable to move, just clinging in the hope that your name would be called. Jesus sees this man and he asks him a question that cuts right to the heart of the man's problem, as as Jesus so often does. Read with me, if you got it there, verse 6. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? Jesus knows this man has been back here again and again and again and again, stuck in the waiting room, and he asks this man a question, do you want to be healed? Which is somewhat obvious, of of course he is. The man has been clinging to the side of the pool in hope for a long time that he would get healed. It's like when we we see a car on the side of the road with the the bonnet up and the smoke going up and and you drive past and ask, is something wrong? Well, well, duh, (laughs) of course it is. Does this man want to be healed? You'd expect him to say, yes, yes, I want to be healed. Please heal me, help me. But Jesus asked this question for a reason. His somewhat obvious question exposes something in this man's heart as his response will show us. Verse 7, the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. The man was so thoroughly convinced that healing for him was in the pool, that his freedom was only to be found in getting down those steps at the right time, that that he'd given up hope, he'd given in. His mind was so trapped in the waiting room that instead of addressing Jesus' question, he responds with excuses. I have no one. No one can take me into the pool. And even if I get close, someone else cuts my lunch, cuts the line and gets in before me. You see, Jesus comes to this pool and he sees this man and he sees the walls that have been built up around his heart. You see, the invalid is not just sick. His problem goes far deeper than his legs. The man's real problem was that he had put his hope in the wrong place. He was trusting his life, his healing, his freedom in a pool that whether or not could really heal him, could not give him the life that he really needed. It's kind of like being trapped uh, by the South Indian monkey trap. I don't know if anyone you know of this trap, but to catch a monkey, what you do is you get a jar with a hole just big enough for a hand to fit in, and then the other end, you chain it to the ground so the monkey can't get away. What happens, they'll put something sweet and tempting in the jar, and so the monkey will come along, put his hand in, grab the sweets, grab a fistful, but then it won't be able to get its fist back out of the jar. And so the monkey's trapped. Never for one moment does the monkey think, to let go of the sweets and be free because the monkey is so convinced that it needs what's in the jar and so it will grab on and won't let go and it'll be trapped. You see, the invalid man 
in this story is so trapped and dependent on this false hope that the pool is what he needs, is what will free him, and he cannot let go. He's convinced that the pool is his only hope. He's trapped. He's, he's a slave to this false ideal. Jesus says to him, do you want to be healed? The man thinks, well, it's, it's impossible. I, I can't. I can't get my hand out of this jar. I can't get in the pool. The man was so fixated on the pool to bring him life that he missed that God was standing right in front of him, offering him life. But you know, I, I can be like this paralyzed man too. Dependent, trapped, deceived by, by false hopes, thinking that something will give me the life that I want. When, when God is standing right in front of me, we all do this. We, we trap ourselves in jars, convinced that only what's in front of us will give us what we desire. Maybe it's, it's the lonely person who thinks, if only I can have a spouse, if only I can find the right person, then, then I'll be right, then I'll be healed. Then I'll, then I, and so we fixate on this, notion, this ideal and, and our life gets, gets trapped by this one thing we fixate. Or maybe it's the worker that is unsatisfied in their job and so just does everything they can to get that promotion. If I can get that promotion, then I'll be right. Then I'll be good. And so we just work and we work and we work and we work and we're trapped because we think that's where our healing is. Or maybe it's a young person here today that thinks, if only I can be part of the popular crowd, if only on Instagram I can get likes, then I'll have worth. Then I'll be someone. And so we trap ourselves, we enslave ourselves to these phones thinking, that's where the healing is, that's where life is, that's where my worth is. We're, we're in a snare, we're trapped in it. We become dependent on pools for healing. We want healing, yes, but we look for it in the wrong places. We trap ourselves in hopes and we spend years just wasting away beside pools, thinking that they'll heal us. We hope in things, we trust in things, we give our lives to, I give my life to things that won't heal me, that won't give me the freedom that I want, that I desire. Let's take another look at Jesus. Let's look again at Jesus. Jesus goes, he goes to the broken, the invalid, the invalid, the, the worth nothing, the useless. And in love and compassion, he's seen this man in the crowd. He's seen the man, 38 years of bondage. He sees the man's broken heart. He sees the man's tears every time he missed his turn. He sees the man's jealousy and the man's bitterness and the man's fear. He sees the man and he exposes his soul with a question. Do you want to be healed? This should confront us, it confronts me. Do, do we want healing? Do we want the true life that Jesus offers us as he stands before us and asks, well, uh, is our hand stuck in the jar, trapped in our thinking, trapped by excuses? And so how the invalid man, he responds and he shows, he shows his heart. And, and how does Jesus respond? How does Jesus react? 
Who is Jesus that stands before him? Read along again, verse 7. The sick man had answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take your bed, and walk. Jesus, right there in front of the man, equal with God, powerful over creation, Lord over every atom and molecule. He speaks to this man and with a word, he breaks the chains that had ensnared him. Jesus, he, he doesn't scold the man, he doesn't lecture him. He doesn't condemn him, nor nor does Jesus in this moment help him into the pool. He doesn't give him what he wants. Rather, the God we worship is a God who in a word can restore our brokenness and heal this man. Verse 9 we read it, and at once the man was healed. This is the authority of Jesus in this moment, the Son of God. And he took up his bed and walked. Let's, let's imagine this kind of statement for just a moment. In the middle of the hospital waiting room, surrounded by the sick, the, the blind and the lame, while, while you're keeping your eye on the door, waiting for your name, you, you catch in the corner of your eye another man come up to a person uh, and, and has the audacity to, to speak to a quadriplegic and say to him, stand up, take your wheelchair, And get out of here. And when the man gets up, imagine the kind of reaction. Your eyes would be off the door now. You'd be looking at who is that man that has the power to heal? You see, in this moment, Jesus was not just performing a miracle, not just healing the man, but Jesus was demonstrating who he truly is, the Son of God greater than the false hope of Bethesda, greater than Bethesda, greater over sickness, greater over death, and with the power to free those in bondage to dead hopes. Jesus is the Son of God and that by believing in him, we might have eternal life. For the invalid man, Jesus set him free from his sin, his his excuses, and his dependence on the things of this world that couldn't save him. Jesus was demonstrating his authority over sickness, but in that moment, Jesus was demonstrating his authority over all the false hopes of the world, of, of Bethesda. Well, perhaps you're here today Uh, Like me, you you know you're dependent on things of this world that in the long run will take more of you than it will give. Maybe you've become like this invalid man, filled with excuses and, and bitterness, asking, if only this, then I'll be healed, then I'll be right. Today, Jesus, as the Son of God, he invites us to faith. He invites us to life. He invites us to increase our hunger, to lift our eyes to greater things. 
Let me read you this quote by C.S. Lewis. He writes, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, while infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. We're dependent. We're dependent on mud pies when Jesus comes and he offers us so much more. Jesus sees you today as he saw the broken invalid man and he does not condemn. Jesus does not lecture and nor will Jesus be your genie or your vending machine and just give you what you want. Rather, today, Jesus, I believe, is calling each of us to a greater life, a deeper life, to true freedom and eternity with him, forgiveness of our sins, acceptance with God, a peace that transcends all understanding. Jesus says, come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus promises us paradise, eternity with him, with healed bodies. He says, come to me. You know, this is such a big reminder and, and conviction for me. I so quickly can lose my desire for true healing, lose a want for a dynamic, alive, renewed relationship with God, for intimacy with Jesus, because I've become dependent on the things around me, things of this world. I put my dependence on, on comfort. I, I get home from work and I think, this is my time, I, 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 I need my space, this is about me, like, I'll save, save uh, time with God for later, or, or maybe it's acceptance from others that I, I won't, like, I won't find my life until people accept me and love me and um, appreciate my sermons. And you know what? I end up making excuses. Excuses to intimacy because I'm dependent on other things other than Jesus. And Jesus comes and he confronts our apathy, our weak wants and desires, and he asks us, do you want to be healed? Do you want the life I can give for only the Son of God can? He stands before us and he calls us to walk in our faith, to take up your mat, so to speak, to run, to live, to know Jesus, to worship him, to humble and submit ourselves before his authority, to give over to him our wants, our needs, our dependency, our, our idols, our expectations, our bondage. And to take up the life that he has given to us and the purpose in our lives that he offers to us. Because we follow a God who loved the world so much that he gave his son. His son Jesus died on the cross that the judgment that we deserved in our brokenness and in our failing, we deserved it. Jesus paid in full 
and he gives us his righteousness. The Bible says, by his wounds, you are healed. It's the beauty of knowing Jesus. And today, with me, some of us need to repent. We've been depending on things, trusting in things that are not Jesus and will not give us life, nor will it give God the glory that he deserves and that he desires for us. If you've got your Bible there, take another look at verse 14 in this passage. I look down to verse 14. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man's dependence on the pool, his excuses and, and his tunnel vision had led him into sin. And Jesus says, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. Now, Jesus isn't in, in this moment saying that if he sins again, he's going to be a worse invalid, as if his sin had led to his sickness. But rather, Jesus is saying in this moment, don't put your trust in anything apart from me. For there are far worse consequences than sickness and far greater consequences for our eternal souls apart from the mercy and the grace of Jesus. The authority that Jesus has as Son of God will for some, like this invalid man, mean forgiveness, righteousness, freedom and life. But to those who reject him, Jesus is the Son of God. His authority will mean our judgment before God. It's true, some of us will also refuse to experience life because we're not snared by a sickness or some dependency or an idol, but rather we're ensnared by our own self-righteousness. Jesus healed the man on the Sabbath as a statement to the Jewish leaders of his identity. And the tragedy is these leaders were too blinded by their own self-righteousness that they missed the power of the miracle in front of them and the beauty of the Son of God. Turn with me, verse 9, we read, Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered him, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and and walk. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as, as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see you are well, sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. So the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And that was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Here's the irony. The Jews supposedly were trying to honour God with their laws and their traditions, but had become so consumed with the, the right way the right path that they had turned the Sabbath rest, a good thing, a beautiful law of God for our benefit, 
They turned it into a burden and a tool of judgment and condemnation. And here's the tragic part. So much so, they've done this, that when God himself shows up, they accuse him of breaking his own law and miss the fact that the God that they were trying to please was standing right in front of them. That's why Jesus answers as he does in verse 17. But Jesus answered them, My Father is working until now, and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. This is the danger we need to be aware of, friends. The trap of self-righteousness. That we try so hard in ourselves to be right, that, that we can completely lose sight of him who it's all about. Like the Jewish leaders, we can get fixated on, on traditions and rules and prohibitions that we stop recognizing Jesus. And not to say God's laws are bad and they're good and they're for our, our life and our freedom. But when we try and be righteous in ourselves, we will fall short and we will end up condemning others. But rather, Jesus has given us his righteousness. So obeying God is a joy because we are righteous and we love him. And so we live in the freedom that he's given us and he expects us to offer to others. We point to Jesus and not our legalism. So this has been my hope. How is our view of Jesus? Are we finding our security, our sense of worth in our self-righteousness, in, in being right rather than seeing Jesus, knowing who he is, the Son of God? Today, are we in bondage to pools that we know won't give us healing? Are there parts of our lives that we feel paralyzed by? Do we want the intimacy that, that we had the first time we believed in Jesus, that, that closeness to God, but today, I, I can't, I, I can't pray? Do we want to know joy and peace in our circumstances, but I just can't see past the darkness around us? Do you want to see freedom from that addiction or that sin that you just can't seem to shake? Or do you want to see your relationships healed, your friends come to know the Lord, your ministries growing? Jesus asks us, do you want to be healed? He invites us into faith. He invites us to believe that He is the Son of God, that He alone has the power to overcome, that Jesus alone can free us from our dependency, our idolatry, our, 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 our fixation on things that won't bring us life. Jesus, the gracious, loving, powerful Son of God, He invites you and He invites me to not just exist to not lay powerless beside pools that we think will, will heal us, but rather invites us to know life, 
to know life as we live in his love. Jesus, the Son of God, he's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of us to believe in him and to trust him, to give our lives to him. I'm going to invite the band up, and in a moment, we're going to respond and worship the Lord by singing that everything we have is because of Jesus and what he has accomplished for us. Everything we have because of Jesus. Imagine that invalid man, he's, he's freed from his bondage. He's in the temple. See, you are well. Everything I have because of Jesus. His righteousness, not, not my own. So I want to invite you in a moment, we're going to sing. I want to invite you to boast in Jesus. There might be things in your life that you know that you're turning to. Maybe it's your hand is in a jar and you're clinging to and you know you just need to let go and look to Jesus. Maybe in this moment, confess before the Lord with me that we need him, that we will boast in Christ alone. Cling to Christ. Cling to Christ and his righteousness to worship and love our wonderful Savior, the Son of God. He has the authority. And that means life for us today. Let me pray. Jesus, we want to worship you. We thank you. We delight in you that you're so good. And I, I know, Lord, I, I've botched it and I've been like this invalid man and, and attached to things, uh, attached in my thinking uh, and not willing to let go and trust you. I, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for my idolatry. Lord, I pray in this moment that you'd increase our vision of who you are, that we would believe you. Believe that you are the Son of God and that in you we have eternal life. That your life is better than anything in this world. To believe the promise that you've come to bring life and life to the full. And so, Lord, I pray for each of us and whatever darkness we're facing, whatever traps we're ensnared in, that you would show us your beauty and free us. Lord, we want to be healed. We want to know you. We want to love you. Help us and we, we honor you and we thank you. We worship you. Amen. Just stand with me and let's worship our beautiful Savior.